0: You're listening to the King's Church DC podcast. King's Church is located in the heart of Washington DC and exists to make Jesus known in our city through enduring presence that brings personal conversion, purposeful living, and community reconciliation. We hope you enjoy the following sermon. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year again. It is the start of... I should say 2023, I get my New Year's right here. Uh, It's that time of year when many of us have started to do New Year's resolutions. Uh, Some of us have some things that we wanna change, and so we've written some of those things down, or we're planning on writing those things down. Others of us, if you're like me, you're still working on your 2022 and 2021 and 2020 New Year's resolution, but somewhere perhaps in your head, uh, floating around there, you're hoping to get around to it eventually. Or maybe this morning, uh, some of you really aren't just into New Year's resolutions at all. Maybe they're just kind of a joke to you. As Will Farrell says, my New Year's resolution is to get at least 13 hours of sleep a night regardless of what sort of job or family or life commitments I have, but to be really consistent about that. Jim Gaffigan adds, this year has flown by. I don't wanna brag, but I've kept my New Year's resolution. I've done it, I've had pasta every day this year. Whether you do New Year's resolutions or not, we all have moments when we realize we need to change something about our lives, about our circumstances, about our situation, we all have moments when pain or frustration sets in because of the way we've been approaching something. And the result is that we wanna change. One pastor tells a story about the German poet, Rainer Maria Rilke. And the story goes that Rilke one time went into a museum and there he sees a statue of Apollo. And this statue impacted him so much in that moment that he goes home and he writes in his journal, I must change my life. What he's saying there is that sometimes in this life, when something really hits you, when something really moves you, when you experience beauty, when at your core you feel deeply enlightened by something, in those moments you realize I must change my life. You realize that you're not all that you should be. You realize that you're not all that you could be. And the feeling is, I must change my life. In our passage this morning, Jesus Christ, we will see, tells us how we can really change. He says, I can really change your life. If you recognize that your heart is like soil, and that my word, my gospel is like seed. And if you receive it, I can change your life. I can bring you to God. We may make New Year's resolutions to change our habits. We may make resolutions to make healthier choices, but our hearts can only really change if we encounter God. And through Jesus Christ this morning, you can know God. You can really change. And that's really the main idea of where we're going this morning. It's the main idea of this passage, and it's the main idea of this message, and it will be up on the screen, and it's this. Change comes through Jesus Christ. Change comes through Jesus Christ. Real change comes through Jesus Christ. An outer power that creates an inner wonder in our hearts. A grace that's not just about externals, but a grace that is about the internals, about the heart. My is also gonna be up on the screen. And it's gonna flow right from the text here at King's Church. We believe the Bible. We teach and seek to understand the Bible. And so these uh, points will flow right from the text of scripture this morning. Number one, the parable of the sower. We'll actually look at the parable and ask why parables? What's going on in this particular parable? Number two, understanding our heart. We'll ask, why is our heart likened to seed or to soil rather? And then number three, understanding the word. Understanding the word. Why is the word, why is Jesus' teachings, why is his message likened to seed? And what we'll see this morning is that if we can recognize why our hearts are likened to soil and figure out where our hearts are at this morning, and if we can figure out why this word, why his gospel, is likened to seed, and if we receive it for what it really is, he can begin to truly change our lives. So let's look at this first point, the parable of the sower, or what and why parables. The text begins, verse one, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. So it's been a very packed day for Jesus. He's been trending a lot. He's quite popular. And people have been fascinated by him up until this point. Things have started to get heated in the life of Jesus. He's made some people mad. He's upset the status quo, we might say. And so after taking a little break, presumably at Peter's house, he goes down and sits by the Sea of Galilee. Verse 2. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. Here at King's Church, unfortunately, we make the preacher stand and the people sit, but here it's just the opposite. Jesus sits on a boat and the people stand up to listen. Verse 3, and he told them many things in parables. Now, a parable is like an analogy or a metaphor. It's a way to describe something true, but using a story. They've often been called uh, earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. And those stories generally always use common objects or common things. It's similar to like if we were to say it's like that movie or it's like that scene from that particular TV show. Had Lord of the Rings been around in Jesus' day, he certainly would have used the Lord of the Rings or Star Wars to make his points. The text goes on and Jesus tells us the parable this morning. Verse three, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, Some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some 100-fold, some 60, some 30. So the picture here is there's four soils. And the picture is that there's this farmer and he's reaching into his bag and he's throwing these seeds around different soils. It's the same type of seed, but it's different soils. So the variable is the soils, not particularly the seeds. And the seeds are hitting each different type of soil. Notice the first soil is this path. And the path, of course, would have been the place where people walked and so the ground there would have been very hard, and the seeds tossed there would have been easy pickings for the birds. Notice the second soil is the rocky ground, and of course the seeds thrown there pop up quickly because the rocks there in that soil would absorb much more heat, Uh, but because there were so many rocks, the roots couldn't form in that soil, so when the sun comes out, out go the plants. The third is this thorny soil. The seed here grows up, but oh no, there's some thorns in the soil and the thorns grow up with the plants and choke them out and kill them. And the fourth and final soil we see here is the good soil. And the seed thrown here produces grain, a hundred some 60, some 30, that's a very, very, very high yield. So four different soils and four different results but the same seed. As Jesus ends this little story, notice verse nine, as the text goes on, he says something very interesting. He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, he says, if you can understand what I'm actually saying, then understand it. If you can understand what I'm actually saying, then understand it. Notice he's not mocking them. He's not saying, hey, if you have two ears, you should listen. He's pointing out that there is a deeper meaning here He's speaking about having spiritual ears. He's saying those who have open spiritual ears, listen, take note, think about it. Now some time goes on, the crowd goes away, and his disciples come up to him and they say in verse 10, why do you speak to them in parables? Said another way, the disciples are like, Jesus, people are confused. They don't understand what you're saying. They're saying, Jesus, why are you talking in stories? Just be direct, just say exactly what you mean. This is, Jesus is not giving us dating advice here, but notice what he says, verse 11. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have in an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, in hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In other words, he says, I speak in parables to reveal, but also surprisingly to conceal. To reveal, he says, yes, parables help explain a truth with a story. It makes it easier to understand, but also to conceal a bit of a boss move here by Jesus. He says, some people have already made up their minds. They're so set in their ways. They don't want the truth, so I'm not going to give it. But then he turns to the disciples, notice, and he says in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. He turns to them and he says, but you are blessed. You are blessed because you have open spiritual ears. You have spiritual life flowing through you. You have a heart that can receive, which really leads us this morning to our second point this morning. Understanding our hearts. Understanding our hearts, where we ask, why is the heart likened to soil here in this parable? Why is the heart likened to soil here in this parable? Jesus goes on to describe this parable and what it means. Notice again, the path, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. First, the path, or what we'll call today, the hard heart, verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. The hard heart is a heart that just can't get it. There's something that is distracting them. Perhaps it's just a heart that is bored. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screwtape Letter, writes about. Fictional demons who've been tasked with keeping a guy away from discovering the truth, from discovering how to actually change. And in one chapter, the man goes into a library to read, to meditate. And the guy all of a sudden starts thinking about God. And he starts to meditate and reflect on his own standing before God, about the next life, about the things of God. And then all of a sudden the demons, Lewis says, who have been assigned to him, call his attention to the sounds on the street, to the newsboy calling out the latest news, to the fact that he's hungry, needing lunch. And that's all that it takes. All of his thoughts about God disappear, and he's back to the mundane things of life. And from the point of view of the demons, they've won another day. For some of us, this is where our hearts are at this morning. We're distracted. We don't see how God can make a difference in our lives. We don't seek God as the source of change. We can't understand it. Next, the rocky soil of what we'll call this morning the shallow heart. Verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This is a heart that of course hears the gospel, they hear Jesus' words, they're moved by it, they like it, but because they never develop roots, actual understanding when difficulties come, they drop out. This is Gandhi who learns a little bit about Jesus and then he walks away. And he famously says, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. This is the recurring story in churches all over the world. A person walks in, they get excited about God, they get excited about the Lord, they feel God tugging at their heart, and then a conflict with someone happens in the church. They realize something about their lifestyle is in conflict with the words of God. And so they bounce because the roots aren't very deep. And maybe this is some of us this morning. And look, I'm sorry if you've ever seen Christian hypocrisy. I'm sorry if you've ever had conflicts with anyone in the church, this church or another church. I'm sorry if there's something in your lifestyle that conflicts with God's word. But fun community, positivity, family values, friendships, and dating pools are not the reason we come to Christ. We come to Christ for God. He is our reward. We come to grow deep roots in him, to know him, to follow him, to worship him, to hold him as our greatest treasure. Jesus goes on and he explains this third soil, the thorny soil, or soil, or what will Call this morning the divided heart. The divided heart, verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This is the heart that hears the word, they believe it, they want to follow it, but other things choke it out, specifically the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of Riches, that word cares is the Greek word merima, which explains the state of being pulled apart. It's translated sometimes as worries or anxieties. It's saying that the anxieties of life, the worries of life choke out the ability to change, to walk in the truth. And that word deceitfulness here has to do with being tricked. In this case, tricked by the promises of being rich. The lies is that if you're rich, you will have ultimate security, ultimate peace, ultimate salvation, and the pursuit becomes that. For some of us, this is where we are this morning. When we're alone, we feel like we are being pulled apart by our fears, by our worries. We've bought it so deeply that money will save us, that our performance will validate us. But this morning, have faith, believe in the resurrection, trust that God is real and can be real in your individual life. Verse 23, the good soil, the open heart, we'll call this morning. Verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold and another sixty, and in another 30. This is the heart who hears the word, they understand it, they receive it like a seed, and the roots start to go down deep into their life. The truth and all the implications of the truth go deep into their heart, and the result is lots and lots of fruit, a very, very, very high yield. That is, their life changes. That shows up in how they treat people, it shows up in our generosity, in our spiritual lives, and how quickly we forgive, in their excitement for worship, in their ethic, their zeal, their witness, their living out of the gospel. The truth and word produces these things deeply and richly in their lives, they're changed. Now, the answer to why the heart is likened to soil is right here, isn't it? It's because the heart is really, really, really important especially when we think about change at all as a subject. In the Bible, the heart describes the real us. It's who we are. It's the the seat and center of human life. The heart is the center of our personality. It controls the intellect, the emotions, the will. It's us, the heart. In Christianity, knowing God is all about a new heart. It's about a renewed and a restored hearts. The promise of the new covenant, the new testament, is that anyone who believes on Jesus Christ, anyone who trusts him, receives spiritual life. And that spiritual life changes a person. It's an outer power that creates an inner wonder. It makes things like the holiness of God, God's love, heaven and hell, the hope of the resurrection. It makes those things real. They go from abstract ideas out there to real, solid, life-changing felt realities, and the result is that it produces change in us. And how does that happen? Well, that leads us to our final point this morning. Understanding the word. Understanding the word where we ask, why is the gospel likened to a seed? Why is the gospel likened to a seed? Spiritual life having a new heart, having the experience of an outer power that creates an inner wonder from knowing Jesus Christ, from believing on Jesus Christ. It comes from an understanding of his word, knowing who he is, knowing what he's done for you, the greatest truth in the universe. But why does he liken that to a seed here? Why is the gospel, the word of God, called a seed here in this parable? The Old Testament calls the word of God a hammer. The Old Testament calls the word of God a fire. It calls it a sword. But why does Jesus pick up on the imagery of a seed? Hammers break things. Swords cut things. Fires burn things. Seeds seem like weak things. But if we understand why Jesus likened his word, his gospel to a seed here, and if we receive it, it can unlock the key to really changing and continuing to change. Here are three reasons. Number one, seeds have power. Seeds have power. Seeds have the power of biological life in them. If you take glass, or you take rocks, or you take stone, and you put them in the ground, nothing is gonna happen. But if you put a seed in the ground, power is released. Something happens. The seed cracks open, roots forms, the plants rise, fruit comes. In the same way, God's word, God's gospel has power. It has power to change a heart. It has power to change your life. In James 1, we read, he chose to give us new birth through the word of truth. So humbly accept the word planted in you, which is able to save you. First Peter says, you have been born again, not by perishable seed, but by imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. What Jesus is saying here, what Peter is saying here, what James is saying here is that when the words of God, when the gospel comes into your life, it's more than just words. It's more than just content. When we understand those words, when we understand those implications, the truth of those words, spiritual power comes into our lives an outer power that creates an inner wonder. The very life of God comes into us through the understanding of his word, through our understanding of the gospel. And for those of us in Christ this morning, that very life of God has made real to us the things that really are, things that we couldn't really see before, things like the holiness of God, the power of his spirit, the love of God for us individually and intimately in the cross of Jesus Christ. Maybe those things were nonsense to us before, maybe they were just theoretical ideas, maybe they were just boxes we checked, but now they're realities. And when the going gets tough, the wisdom of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the power of God are things we actually rely on rather than just freaking out. So number one, seeds have power. Number two, why did Jesus liken his word, his gospel to a seed? Why did he liken his word, his gospel to a seed? Well, number two, seeds release their power through depth. Notice in seeds one, two, and three, the path, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, the problem in all of them was depth. Nothing happens in the first soil. The second soil is plants, roots, they don't go deep enough. And the third soil is plants couldn't overcome the weeds because the roots weren't strong enough to stay alive. In every instance, it's a problem of depth. But in the fourth soil, in the good soil, where the plant grows strong, it's because its roots were deep. This is because seeds release power by going in deep. Seeds release their power only if they go in deep, if the roots go deep to weather the storms of life. In the same way the gospel creates the very life of God, spiritual power in the same way that seeds do in the soil, by going deep. What that means is that to really change this morning, to continue to change this morning, we need to go deeper into the gospel. We need to realize that so often it's fear that is holding us back. It's shame that paralyzes us. It's guilt that disrupts you. It's your pride that gets you in trouble. It's greed that isolates us. It's entitlement that crushes us. It's bitterness and anger, all these things. But in the gospel, these things are no longer our operating system. We have a new operating system We live out of that operating system. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ that drowns our shame. It's covered our guilt. It's humbled our pride. It's freed us from all bitterness and greed and anger. It's made us new. May God help us to go deeper in him, to know him more and to change for real. Third and finally this morning, why does Jesus liken his word, his gospel to a seed? Because a seed's power is in its weakness. A seed's power is in its weakness. One pastor tells a story about how he was once in Italy, and he goes to this graveyard. It was a tourist attraction because there was a very, very, very old grave there, hundreds and hundreds of years old. It was probably a king or some type of royal, and there was this giant thick slab of marble over this grave, it was huge heavy, immovable, but somehow an acorn had fallen into the grave, and somehow over time, over hundreds and hundreds of years, this tree had grown up. It had found a way out of the one side, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Eventually, it's this huge tree, and over the centuries, it cracks this marble, this marble slab, and it rolls it into two, and everybody used to come and see this site. Now think about that. That is an amazing picture. A little weak acorn, this little tiny seed dies and it releases a power that teams of men and horses could never do. Why does Jesus Christ liken his word, his gospel to a seed? Well, here's the answer. Ultimately, this parable is about him. It's all about him and how we respond to him. And his life is the one that both came in power and in weakness. He died for you and for I this morning, but he rose from the dead. And that reality brings new life. It can produce something in you that can really change you, that eventually, one day, someday, will absolutely break whatever marble slab holds you back from the life that he has for you. He died for you this morning. He rose for you this morning. Believe on him this morning. He is the one who can change your life. Thank you for listening to this episode of King's Church DC Podcast. If this sermon encouraged you, please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. For more information on our church and service times, please visit kingschurchdc.com. We hope you will join us again next week.